Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Balasuk Podcast. Live from Chennai, India, I'm your co-host, Guru Ram Prakash. And from Monterey, California, as usual, is my other co-host, Rikram Khan. We're here to talk about the second round of the NBA playoffs, uh, the, the, the matchups that have taken place, what do we think the final conclusions are going to be, what are our thoughts, overview, and how does it look like for the playoffs moving forward? So, uh, Vikram, uh, again, it's really, really great for me to, for, you, for you to join me on this podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. This is it's been a lot of fun. Uh, watching playoff basketball is incredible, and it's just so, so, so much fun. And so, I'm really looking forward to talking some hoops with you today. Absolutely, absolutely. So let let's talk about the matchups that took place today, Vikram, first, and then we'll go into the other two matchups. Uh, later on in the show. So the first matchup we want to talk about, uh, we want to talk about is Nets and Bucks. So yeah, but what we have talked about is probably the most consequential series in terms of who is going to be the NBA champion, who's going to be crowned the NBA champion moving forward. Um, the the Nets really had a stranglehold on this series over uh, after the first two games. Uh, they 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 went up two nothing after a pretty big game two victory for them. And uh, we we thought for for the for the Bucks perspective, we thought that if they were not able to win Game Three, then the series was uh, was all but over, and and the Nets would be representing the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals. We 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 were under that impression. In Game Three, what what ended up happening is the uh, neither the Bucks nor the Nets could get anything really going on offense, and uh, the the Bucks happened to eke through a a victory, eighty four to eighty one, I believe it was. And yeah, it was a very, very low scoring affair. Uh, very uncharacteristic of the Nets to have that sort of low scoring affair. And I personally thought that the Bucks were lucky to come out of that game with a W. Um, very rare that the Nets have, uh, or the Nets struggle to put the ball in the bucket like that. They have so many players who can do so. Um, but a- as we mentioned, uh, James Harden has been out for the last couple of games. And uh, the injury was for the... Uh, before the before the Brooklyn Nets just got worse in Game Four, uh, in Game Four, Kyrie Irving went down with a with an ankle sprain, and um, looking at it on video, it looks really really bad. Um, with some of the speculation on TV by doctors, is that um, he tore some ligaments, but we won't get into that until it becomes official. And I mean, his status with the rest of the series, it looks to be very very questionable. And along with him and James Harden losing both of them for a team that's very top heavy, it's not it's it's not a great situation to be in. And then that's where able to take the Bucks were rather were able to take advantage of that and win game four. So the series is now tied up at two two. The Nets have huge question marks, which I mean we went over this before the series started, right? The Nets are a very fragile team, right? And they could they they, they could have injury problems uh, that come about. Uh, uh, in sudden and in unknown ways, correct? And it's 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 sort of how their team was constructed. I don't necessarily blame them for it. They ended up signing the for the um, best two free agents two years ago, and they ended up getting the best player who was on the trade market this year, right? But uh, again, the, this goes back to wh- where do we think the Nets can 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 put together? A, a long playoff run without getting injured, without getting hurt, and uh, making sure that their depth pieces can can support uh, some of their uh, some of their superstar veterans who are 
very injury prone. So it comes back to that, Vikram. And yeah, I just want to know like your thoughts on the series and uh, if like the Bucks really do have the upper hand here. No, I think you're spot on about the, the Bucks Nets series overall. I think my biggest comment is just the fact that it's not just this series. I think this playoff has been irre- irrevocably challenged by injuries, right? And I know injuries are a general part of the game, but I don't know that we've seen so many injuries in so many series that have affected so many teams, right? From the Lakers to the Nuggets, obviously with Jamal Murray, to even a team like the Warriors who didn't even make it into the playoffs this year, right? Like injuries have played just an absolutely massive part uh, in the fortunes of these teams. And so the Nets-Bucks series is no exception to this. And quite frankly, if Kyrie Irving had stayed healthy in this game, I think I would have favored the Nets at the end of the day. So his injury in this game clearly cost the Nets the game because KD had to play 42 minutes and had the game been closer, he would have played closer to 48 minutes. And so there's not much that the Nets can really do in that situation. But overall, I think that the Bucks find themselves in a pretty good spot in this series. I think one of the big uh, takeaways of this game for me, outside of the fact that, hey, Kyrie is really good and really important, uh, was this idea that P.J. Tucker being an uh, important part of the offense today was really, really useful for them. And he had, I think, 13, where he'd only scored nine points in the first three games of the series. So seeing his offensive improvement was particularly valuable and important in this game. Uh, Other than that, I thought one thing that was really nice was to see was Giannis taking the ball to the rim uh, at most opportunities. I say most because there were still some inexplicable jump shot attempts where I just I still don't see the point. Right. Any time that he takes a jump shot, he's bailing the defense out, even if he's wide open. I would rather see him actually shoot or I would I would rather see him take layups than do that. So. That's my my overall takeaway there. I thought the Nets played about as well as they could given the injury situation that they found themselves in. Uh, I think Kevin Durant is still nigh unguardable by just just generally he's nigh unguardable, and he was quite difficult for these uh, for the Bucks to defend. I thought he put PJ Tucker in foul trouble. He put Chris Middleton in foul trouble. Uh, he was able to beast Drew Holiday. Uh, that third quarter, he really kept the Nets in the game. So without Kevin Durant, I think this would have been an absolute blow. And I, I can only hope that James Harden is able to come back at, uh, later in the series and that overall they can become a little bit healthier because otherwise this, is, this series is about to be over. Oh, yeah, for sure. And like, I just wanted to ask you about that Kyrie Irving injury and with relation to uh, what Giannis Antetokounmpo might or might not have done on that play. What is, what, do you think it was a dirty play by by him to slide under Kyrie Irving the way he, he did, or was it just like what, was it just by chance? I I I don't I think it was time. an intentional thing, right? It's not like a Bruce Bowen or you know shall we say Zaza Pachulia, you know like I don't think it was intentional play. Uh, with that being said. I think that one thing that I've noticed just generally is stuff doesn't get called on the inside the same way it gets called on the perimeter, right? We're so worried about protecting shooters uh, that they needed space to land. I don't understand why that rule should be any different if you're in the paint, right? Mm -hmm. And so that part to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 
I think in this particular situation, uh, I, I'm not sure what you could have done differently there, but I certainly understand why you're asking the question. I, I don't think it was intentional, but I certainly think that it had a profound impact on the series and a profound impact on this game. Of course, of course. A anything that happens to any one of the Nets superstars or any Nets player for that matter, given just given the, the, the depth that they have on their team, it's, it's very it's very paltry to say the least. They're very, very top heavy. So any player who plays significant minutes for the Nets who gets hurt has an adverse effect on their team. That's just that's just the way it's going to go. And Kyrie Irving is obviously even more so given given his superstar stature. He's one of the top three players on the on the Brooklyn Nets, right? So 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 moving forward, like like if Kyrie Irving and James Harden are unable to come back, I think I, I think the Bucks just have too much uh, too 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 many players on their side to the point where uh, Kevin Durant cannot. Uh, cannot really push the Nets over the top. And if he does, it would be probably one of the best playoff feats that he's ever accomplished in his career. Yeah, and this is with him being a multi-time finals MVP. Right. I think him dragging this team somehow through the Bucks would be just a, a truly incredible uh, accomplishment for him. I'm not sure he's going to be able to do it, but, you know, we can hope. Yeah, and the the depth that the Bucks have around Kevin Durant like le leads me to believe that he probably will not be able to do it. And also, Kevin Durant is coming through his own share of, of injury concerns, right? He he had, right. he had with the Achilles, he had, right? Huh? I mean, with, with the, the Achilles injury, with the Achilles, and coming off an Achilles, he's playing forty two minutes. That doesn't sound that doesn't sound healthy. I'm not a doctor, but you, but you know, like that, that doesn't that doesn't sound great either. And it looks. I mean, I mean, when, when he tried to play in the, during the regular season, you saw that he had some injuries where he had some wear and tear uh, occurring in multiple parts of his body that, where he was overcompensating for the utility. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see whether he could do it. But if the, even if the Nets do get past the Bucks, like, and like this is, we, don't, we do not think that this is going to happen, but then if you're looking at the next series, that's probably going to be with the Sixers. If Kyrie Irving and, and James Harden are not going to play in in that series, uh, do you give the Nets a chance in that series? I I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, you think it's hard guarding Giannis? Good luck uh, guarding Joel Embiid, who's going to post you up every possession. You got no defender for that. Right. Precisely. I mean, I just I don't understand how they they would have a plus matchup in that in that series, right? And on the other side, if you're missing Kyrie and you're missing James Harden, I think that the Sixers can scheme up a way to at least limit Kevin Durant. And if that's the case, I don't give them very much of a chance to actually win that series. So in other words, right now, health has really played an important part in this in this playoff run. I will say I didn't mention Joel Embiid because he looks so good, but like that's temporary, right? It could be very much the case that he looks worse uh, in a few more games. I hope that's not the case, but it's entirely possible. Absolutely, absolutely. So, like, so uh, do we do we think that the Bucks win game both games five and six at this point? I think so. I think if they, if they think don't so. win game if they don't win game five, that's that's a failure on them. And uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay, so so moving on, uh, we also wanted to talk about Nuggets and Suns, the other game that happened today. So. The Suns ended up sweeping the Nuggets for nothing. 
and um, they are going to the Western Conference Finals, Vikram. So congratulations to them. Congratulations to Chris Paul, Devin Booker, um, Cameron Payne. I also have to congratulate Cameron Payne. Um, uh, and um, this is a this is a major accomplishment for a team that has not made the playoffs in the last decade. And it's just a testament to like your team can can change its complexion and its and, and its future with just a couple of moves here and there and 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 some hard work and uh, obviously the moves for 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 the Suns that catapulted them in this position in the first place is getting Chris Paul in the trade that's obvious but also hiring Monty Williams and just changing the attitude around that team and him him Monty Williams helping Devin Booker take that next step up into being an NBA superstar which he definitely looks like in these playoffs and uh, as far as the Nuggets go we did not expect them to be very competitive in the series. I had the Suns in five uh, in the series. I thought the Nuggets' best chance to win was actually game three. And when they lost that game, I pretty much knew that they were going to get swept because the Suns are just that much of a better team. They are more healthy. They are more complete. They they have all everything that it takes to win. If you're going back to the Suns here, I think they have a very, very good shot of making the finals. In fact, I would I would put them as my favorite to make the finals at this point. And then, I mean, and that would be a... A, a turn of events from what has happened to the Suns in the last decade or so. So, you know, um, congratulations to them. They still have work to do. But uh, just give me your thoughts on the series, your thoughts on the Suns, like moving forward. Where do you think their ceiling is? And uh, and the Nuggets, what do they need to do in the offseason to give them a better shot in, in the Western Conference playoffs moving forward? Uh, stay healthy? Like, as an, as an honest thing, I think stay healthy is probably the best thing that they could potentially do i know that sounds trite but the reality is they if the nuggets had jamal murray i think that this i think though i i would have probably favored the uh, i still would have favored the suns in this matchup i think that i think it would have been a much more competitive series yeah i mean i certainly think it would be a six or seven gamer versus you know the sweep that occurred today but i mean that's really the best thing you can do. I think Aaron Gordon was a fantastic pickup during uh, during the trade deadline for them. Uh, I think that Jamal Murray plus Nikola Jokic solves a lot of problems for you. And I thought that one of the biggest issues that the Nuggets had was, you know, you're playing a backcourt every single game of Facundo Campazzo and, uh, and, of course, Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers, who's like a very talented basketball player. Don't get me wrong here. But – I mean, the guy wasn't even in the league for a while. And why was that? Because they thought he was that they thought that his skill set wasn't all that valuable on some teams. And the reality of the situation is obviously uh, that wasn't the case. He was an absolutely massive part of both this series and the last series for the Nuggets. So, you know, if you're able to find people on the scrap heap like that, and then you're also able to be productive uh, in terms of your trade deadline and free agent signings, I, I don't think that. There's much more to be done for the Nuggets, but we'll see. I think uh, having a healthy Michael Porter Jr. would really help too. Uh, his back injury, I think, really limited him. And in some sense, I'm kind of glad the Nuggets are out of it so he can take some time to really heal up. Uh, but otherwise, I don't know that there's much more that the Nuggets can realistically do other than hope for good health for Jamal Murray. And if you're looking at Jamal Murray and his, and his knee injury, he, it looks like he, he would possibly be back sometime in the middle of next year um, yep and potentially healthy for the playoffs yes yeah and, and that's that really should be the goal for the for the nuggets moving forward um when when jamal Murray like his timeline when do they rank him up 
and, and get him get him ready for for the playoffs, obviously. Uh, and uh, yeah, you you brought up a lot of good points. The Nuggets do well in the, in the scrap heap, and they did do well in that Aaron Gordon trade. It's just that you know Aaron Gordon is a lot better when you have offensive pieces around him. He's not an he, he he's not a guy who can put the ball in the bucket at, at a consistent enough clip, and he's more of that supporting role player, the glue guy that can do a little bit of everything. And when Jamal Murray went down, that put Aaron Gordon's role in a bind. And I, I don't quite blame him for the way the series went. I, I think he had the perfect role when the Nuggets traded for him. And uh, that role went awry when Jamal Murray got injured. Yeah, I mean, I think you're spot on. The reality is I didn't favor the Nuggets in this series. And in fact, if I do have a, uh, if I have a comment of the entire thing, the team that this puts the worst light on is the Portland Trailblazers, right? Yes, you, you, you like, highlighted that point. Can we be honest here? Yes. Like, that's really the bad thing. It is. The idea that somehow you weren't able to beat this incredibly limited Denver Nuggets team, and don't get me wrong, I think Nikola Jokic is an absolute monster of a player. He was a deserving MVP. But, I mean, come on, man. Their backcourt was Austin Rivers and, and Facundo Capazzo. And they brought Monte Morris off the bench. You have C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. Come on. Like self, self, self-proclaimed, one of the best backcourts in the NBA, right? They, they self-proclaimed that a lot in, in, in Portland. And, um, yeah, it, it just lends more doubt to the situation in Portland. What's going on? What, what was their team construction moving forward? And, all, and they, they, Denver won in six games, correct? And the all uh, and the games that occurred between the two of them, like it was it was a pretty neck and neck series. And like, and what the Nuggets have shown here is that hey, it's not it's not it was not really us, it was them, right? And and that's where we got to point the figure at, at Portland. And Portland, yeah, BB talked about it ad nauseum, right? BB, the Portland Trailblazers have a very interesting offseason moving forward and the decisions that they have to make, right? Both in the co- in in the coaching box as well as with their, with their players and their superstar players uh, at that. So, uh, and then Neil Olshi came out and had a pretty interesting press conference with the media after they fired Terry Stotts, uh, complaining about their defense, complaining that the, the roster, I mean, the roster construction was, was good enough to get out, get out of the first round. Well, yes, but it, I mean, it's up to you being the GM to be, you know, to, to take the blame for whatever happened that season. And he did not seem to do that. So, uh, so sort I mean, uh, like sort of a, a very interesting, um, uh, I mean, um, what do, how, how do I say this? Like uh, interesting set of events for, for Portland. And it's going to be interesting whether they, they ride this team going in the next year or they tear it all up and uh, start rebuilding uh, with the pieces they get back from whatever trade that they make. Yeah, I mean, I think you're, again, spot on with this. I think the reality of the situation, though, is they weren't good enough. And I don't know what good enough means if Carmelo, Anthony, and Ennis Cantor are playing big minutes for you. Particularly on this idea that somehow this is good defense. Like, I, I just don't understand that. So I'm, I don't necessarily buy that as an actual argument. If you have Carmelo Anthony, Ennis Cantor, and Damian Lillard on the same team, I don't know how you have a good defense. Um, that sounds like a very, very big challenge. Um, yeah, I just don't, I don't, I don't think that's a yeah. – yeah, it's not realistic. Yeah. Sorry to say that. I I have very little sympathy for you. 
uh, as a GM, if that's the roster you give your coach as far and say, you know, have a competent defense. Uh, for example, I thought their defense looked okay with Yusuf Nurkic on the floor. But at best, I mean, he's a he's a drop big. I mean, he can't he doesn't really have a ton of defensive versatility. Like that's the reality of it. And you know, that's not like, oh my God, the the worst criticism of, of any of his life or anything, but like that's the reality of it. He is a drop big. He doesn't have a ton of scheme versatility. I mean, okay. That's okay. But that's that's where we are with this. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, enough about the, the Nuggets and enough about the team that lost to the Nuggets, the Blazers. How about them Suns? How about them Suns? I mean, the Suns have had two very good matchups for them. And I'm not saying that to, you know, take away from their accomplishments. You know, like you said, they deserve a hearty round of congratulations. Uh, but the reality is, once again, that they have had a very, very injury-helped path to the conference finals and that's not like i said it doesn't take away the fact that they've made it you still have to play the team that's in front of you but they've gotten pretty lucky with uh, with regards to injuries in uh during this run so i mean i do think that the one injury that they did have was uh, the chris paul shoulder injury that thankfully i mean thank god for this he looks really really good right now this last performance was a virtuoso performance uh, one, of the, I think we saw the big challenge with having uh, Nikola Jokic as your center. Defensively, the inability to play any other style but kind of drop on the pick and roll allowed Chris Paul to continue to get to these elbow jumpers every single possession. And, you know, if you give that shot up to a shooter like Chris Paul, you're going to lose game. So that was one thing that I – one observation I had about the Suns. Overall, I love the Suns team. I think uh, I think the matchups could not have been more ideal for on or for not Andre Drummond, but uh, for for uh, Aiton. So, like, I think his development has been one of the really awesome signs for this team. Uh, with that being said, I think that he's going to have a lot more trouble against either the Jazz or the Clippers who play a more spread pick and roll. And to this point, he's been asked to play. Uh, very much like a uh, a normal drop coverage or a post defense type of coverage. So we'll see how that looks. Absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, I think if you're if you're the Suns and you're looking at the Jazz and the Clippers, right? I I mean for them they might might be rooting for that Jazz matchup given given the health of both Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. We don't quite know what what the, what the Jazz are going to look like coming out of that series, right? That that would be. That would be really interesting. And, and, and for the Clippers and Suns, that would be one hell of a series. I mean, I think they would, do, they would go back and forth if, if, if both teams are playing, that, playing at their highest level, right? Uh, but, like, the, the Suns right now, they have, they have a pretty clear path to the finals, uh, Vikram. And, like, you know, I mean, it, it would be great for Chris Paul to finally get there. Uh, it would be great for the young Suns to finally get there. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, uh, things are looking up. Things are looking up in Phoenix, no doubt. 100%, man. They look – I'm really happy for them right now, in other words. You know what I mean? I just – I don't – I think it's great that in this <coughs> NBA, in this pathway to the playoffs, the pathway to the, the NBA championship and the NBA finals, that it's all teams that have not been there very much recently. Right. I think the most recent was the Sixers in 1983 or something like that. Yeah. But 
I may be in the year wrong, but it's been a long time for a lot of these teams. Some of these teams have never been in the NBA title in the in the championship or even the Western Conference Finals or Eastern Conference Finals. So it is such a significant thing to see these teams that have not been represented have an opportunity to, to fly a banner, right? Because like banners fly forever, right? And so I think that even though this year is strange, it shouldn't take away from the accomplishment of this team because ultimately good health is a skill, right? And we talk about it with the Brooklyn Nets, they're a fragile team. Well, maybe that means that it's not so great to pick superstars that have injury histories, right? Maybe that's the lesson out of this. So those are just kind of some of my thoughts with regards to that. I think the Suns look fantastic. I think that their ability to – oh, I did want to give a little bit of a shout-out to Dario Saric, who looked really good in this series. Uh, And I think that's something that they're going to need moving forward. So uh, I think that's a a pretty significant accomplishment or a significant significant improvement for the Suns team. So – that piece is something I'll be continuing to watch in their next series. Uh, but I think this, the last series of interest for us really is, uh, we haven't talked any about uh, Hawks, Sixers, we'll get to that, but really the Jazz Clippers series is, I think, really, really interesting to me now. Like you said, with the health of Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell in question, I think we have to favor the Clippers, right? I know they're down 2-1, but yeah, if those two are not going to be healthy... I don't see how the Clippers are going to lose. Like me, me, me neither, me neither. And like, let's just, let's just start talking about it. Right. So the, the jazz were able to win the first two games that were, I mean, that, I mean, the jazz had big, big leads in both of those games, but it sort of whittled away and the Clippers had a chance to, to come back and win both of those games, but they, they were not able to. So the jazz took a two nothing lead heading into, heading into Los Angeles to play the Clippers. And uh, and the Clippers were able to take take control of Game Three very quickly. Uh, they got they got up to a double digit lead. Uh, the Jazz were not really able to get anything going really on offense, especially guys like Boyan Bogdanovich, guys who without Mike Conley, those guys need to contribute and contribute a lot. They were they were not really really able to, and they they turned the ball over a lot. They they let the Clippers get out on the break. Kawhi Leonard was especially aggressive, so was Paul George, and the and and the um, Clippers were able to win Game Three. But the biggest storyline was uh, actually Donovan Mitchell, uh, Donovan Mitchell's injury that happened during the game, and uh, the other big storyline was Mike Conley again uh, declared inactive for Game Three. I mean, we all thought that he was probable for Game Three, and and that lead, that that lends doubt to the theory like is Mike Conley really ready to come back and play? And also, with respect to Donovan Mitchell, he, he sprained his ankle. Well, what kind of ankle sprain is it? Um, is it a high ankle sprain or is it a regular low ankle sprain? If it's a low ankle sprain, then, then you, I, mean, you, I mean, you have to just ice that up, wrap it up, and be ready to go for game, game four. If you're, the, if you're the Jazz, you're hoping that is the case. He, was, he, he limped off the floor very gingerly when he got injured, and then he tried to come back out and tried to get back in the game and play. Quinn Snyder uh, voted against it because the Jazz were already down by so much late in the fourth quarter. But um, after the game, Donald Mitchell walked off the floor gingerly again. And you have to wonder, what is his status going to be for for game four? I think the Jazz are going to do everything that they can can to get Donald Mitchell ready to play play that game. And if if Mike Conley is able to come back in game four and be, be the kind of player who he is, then, you know, the Jazz have a, a good chance to, you know, take control of the series again. But that's those are two big ifs. And 
if those two big ifs go the other way for the Jazz, then the Clippers uh, have control of the series. So we'll see what happens in game four. Uh, but what, what are your thoughts in, in this, of the series in general? And, oh, yeah, like Reggie Jackson, I have to give him a shout out. He's oh, yeah, man. Dude, he has been amazing. I don't know how else to put it. He is torching. I mean, absolutely torching the uh, the Jazz in the series, and he was also torching the Nuggets or not the Nuggets, the Mavs too. Last series, he's been really good for this team and way better than I had, I thought he would be. So, I mean, I think this is truly a remarkable performance for him. They needed that from the point guard position. Uh, they're getting they may not be getting playoff Rondo, but they're certainly getting a, a version of playoff Reggie Jackson here. So. I think they can't. They must love this. I don't know that they could. They could have expected anything else. You know, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And like him being a starter on this team is found money, and him being able to make shots uh, the way that he has uh, without Kawhi Leonard and and I mean, I mean, not without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Obviously, they're on the court, but uh, be adding that additional scoring in addition to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is is probably what the Clippers need if they're going to make the Western Conference Finals for the first time in their history. Um, and it, the, the idea that Pat, Patrick Beverly can come, come off the bench and play his role without having to worry about putting the ball in the basket is good for Patrick Beverly as well, right? So you're looking at all of those, uh, all of those variables for the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers have a very, very good chance to come back in the series and, and make, this, make this extremely competitive. I know that they lost game one and game two if, if you go back into asking me, they should have probably given themselves a better chance to win game one if they call the timeout. Um, they, they made a couple of mistakes that, that could come back to bite them uh, in the back when, I mean, the series is going to be decided. If the, if the Jazz go up 3-1, then maybe the Clippers go back and look at that game one and say, we, we missed an opportunity. And missed opportunities loom large in the playoffs. We know that. Uh, but but just going going forward here, like what what kind of chance do you give the Clippers in this series? And who who's your favorite? Like this, I mean, this is a, a age old question about the series. Well, I mean, I think once again, it really really depends on where we think the series is is going in terms of health, right? If Donovan Mitchell and Michael Conley or Mike Conley can come back with, I don't know, let's say eighty percent. 70 to 80%, I would favor uh, the Jazz. If they're not healthy, I would favor the Clippers. I think it's that simple. Yeah, and obviously, obviously I agree with you. And I mean, it's hard to figure out the health of somebody when they're sitting on the bench. And that's where we are. That's exactly right, yeah. That's that's exactly where we are. At least with with Donovan Mitchell, we saw him play game three. Obviously, he got hurt. We'll see how he is in game four. They're going to give give him every opportunity to try and play and try and play in that game. And I think uh, I, I think like I was watching a um, I was watching a medical uh, interview with uh, Dr. Nirav Pandya. Uh, he's an orthopedic surgeon at UCSF, and he does these uh, he does these cameos for uh, for ABC Seven News in the Bay Area. Uh, he was asked a question about Donovan Mitchell, and he's he actually is optimistic that Donovan Mitchell's injury is actually in the low ankle sprain area because of the way he came down. Uh, and uh, it, and he, he doesn't believe it to be uh, as serious as a high ankle sprain. Um, he doesn't believe that any ligament damage occurred. And because of, because of that, the, the, the Jazz just have to you know, ice that up, wrap it, 
and get it ready for game game four. He thinks that is very very possible. So yeah. I mean, if if that is the case, that is that's definitely good news for for the Jazz. Um, but uh, with I mean, if, if you were asking me what he thought about Kyrie Irving's injury, it was very very uh, very very uh, doubtful. He thought that Kyrie Irving would be able to play for the duration of the series. He thinks that ligament damage did happen with Kyrie Irving's injury. So, I mean, something to look forward with. And yeah, thanks to Dr. Narapandia for giving his insight. I really enjoy it as a non-doctor um, analyzing these injuries. Very important to have that voice. Um, anyways, um, going, go, go, moving forward here, like, yeah, I mean, game four is going to be interesting to watch. I think, I think it has the chance to decide which, where the series is going to go. So we'll check back with you guys after game four. Uh, should be interesting. Um, and then the last series we want to talk about, uh, Hawks and Sixers. So obviously we talked about the Hawks being able to win game one. And I mean, the, the formula for, for, for the Hawks was decided after game one, and they've not been able to re-execute that formula uh, over, the por- over the course of the last two games. And, and that is like shoot a lot of threes and make a lot of threes, right? Be, be efficient on those. And they were able to do that in game one. And that's why they were able to come up with the victory. But they have not been able, been able to do that in games two and three. And, you know, if you're giving, giving yourself a chance with that high variance of offense, it, 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 it doesn't give you a great chance to win in a seven-game series where the law of averages usually takes over uh, more times than not, Right. And, and with the Sixers, we talked about, hey, you got to impose your will in the paint. Joel Embiid has to continue to be able to play. That injury should not be affecting him uh, in, in a way that, that uh, prevents him from taking control of the series. And, and so far, so good, I think. Uh, the, in games two and three, um, the Sixers were able to take control of those, both of those games. And the, and the Sixers are now up two to one. And they look like they have control of the series. Um, for, for me personally, uh, I think there's a chance the Hawks could win game four, but I got, I still have the Sixers. And I think they take control of the series and eventually win in five. Um, Vikram? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they win in five. I don't think the, I mean, the reality is Ben Simmons is a really nice defender on Trey Young. Uh, not just because he's really long, but I think his ability to get through screens is really remarkable. And one thing he's consistently able to do is kind of pressure Trey Young from behind. I thought something that's important is Trey Young only got six threes up in the last game. I mean, I know he went 50% on those, and that, that's good, but he needs to be getting up volume. And the Sixers have to, or sorry, the, the Hawks have to get up more than 23 threes. You talked about it just then. The, the formula for them winning is them taking a lot of threes with average efficiency and being able to score a little bit in the paint. Uh, Joel Embiid has done a phenomenal job of, of taking the paint shots away that been They've been doing a good job of running him off the line. Uh, and overall, they look a lot better than this Hawks team. The other thing is there's absolutely no answer for Joel Embiid at all, right? Like Capella can't stay with him. Okongwu can't really stay with him. Danilo Gallinari, when they play him on him, makes no sense to me. Although he defends him well because he's able to draw a couple charges there. I mean, John Collins on, uh, on Joel Embiid is, a, is absolute barbecue chicken. I mean, Joel Embiid is able to get to his spot, get to his shot, and uh, draw a lot of fouls. So I don't really see a lot of adjustments for uh, for the Hawks in the next couple games. So we'll see, but I'm not really hopeful for them. Yeah, and obviously we knew about this. About we knew this about the Hawks going in. They were they were on the outside looking in, 
they, they need to be able to uh, take advantage of their strengths and exemplify their strengths in the series if they wanted to have a, sh- if they wanted to have a shot. And they, they showed that in game one, and it was very encouraging to be able to be able to see that kind of performance for them. But you sort of knew in the back of your mind that maybe they're not going to be able to keep this up. Maybe this is too good to be true, and what we saw in game one. And, uh, and, and, and in games two and games three, it just, it, it, it just showed that what we, what we originally thought was, was correct by most standards. Now, can they, can they reproduce it in game four? Absolutely. It's, it, at the end of the day, it's, it's one game, and, and anything can happen in that, in that one game. And uh, they, they, the Hawks can give themselves a really good, really good shot by t- taking a lot of, creating a lot of open threes and making a lot of open threes. And that starts with the, with the, with the creation and the creativity of, of Trey Young, right? The, it, it all goes, uh, it all uh, revolves around him and how he plays. But like, move, but moving forward here, uh, I like, um, I mean, I, I like the Sixers a lot, and I like, I like them moving forward in the series, and like. Moreover, uh, like the health of Joel Embiid is a penultimate importance for me. Him getting out of the series healthy is more important than any result that the Sixers can, can come out against the Hawks. As long as it's, it's, it's as as long as they're able to win the series, that should be that should be good enough. The health of Joel Embiid will determine uh, how far they get in the in the next round. I think well put. Joel Embiid's health is the number one question for. Or it's the number one way that they'll be able to win. In the next round, I mean that's it's as simple as that. So, if they're able, if he is able to continue to be at this level of efficiency, they're going to win. If he is and, not, and, and a part of getting Joel Embiid healthy is finishing the series as soon as possible, right? Reducing the the number of games that that Joel Embiid has to play, and reducing the the chance that he that he re-injures that knee or that he feels pain in that knee, and 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 so. Uh, it, it'd, be, it'd be best for, for the for the Sixers to take these next two games very seriously, finish off the series, get get Joel Embiid healthy for, for for the next series where he's going to be very very much needed. Whether it's the Knicks or the Bucks, he's their best player. He needs to play well. He needs to be healthy. Um, so and most importantly, yeah. I mean, he's a tough matchup for those teams. Well, although the Bucks do have uh, Brook Lopez to kind of bang at the post over there, and Brook Lopez is a good post defender. But just generally, I think it would be – you got to know if you're the Sixers, you're not going to win a series without Joel Embiid being healthy. Precisely. And th- that's what it comes down to. So yep, we've talked that. about – huh? Say, say that again? I said, I said simple as that. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. So with, with that, I mean, we've discussed all four Western Conference semifinal series – uh, we like it seems to be a consensus. We think it's going to be it's going to be Sixers and Bucks uh, moving forward. All, like albeit the, the the Nets, if they get some great health news, that it could change in a different direction for them. Uh, but we're not we're not so optimistic about that. So we got Sixers and Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then we got we got Suns and uh, and I guess. Jazz in the night, like yeah. I mean, I forgot about the doubts we had in that series. I guess we'll go come back after Game Four with that with with that prognosis. But um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about the playoffs as we're continuing as as they continue. Uh, some very very critical games, critical matchups moving forward, uh, and uh, we're looking to talk talk to you guys uh, at the end of the second round and uh, the start of the Western Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals with you guys. 
And yeah, this is when playoff basketball starts to get very, very serious. Yeah, it starts to uh, take on a life of its own. And Vikram, I cannot wait to talk to you about that as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. This has been a lot of fun. I think we have a lot of great basketball ahead of us. And, you know, I really enjoyed the Nets, uh, Nets Bucks game today. Even though Kyrie Irving got hurt, I thought that there was a lot of really good basketball that was played. And if we get if we continue to get good games like that and competitive series, I think this is going to be a really fun ending for the NBA playoffs. Absolutely. And just to remind our listeners, June 22nd is also the NBA draft lottery. So uh, I, I'm not sure if we're going to have a pre-NBA draft lottery show, uh, uh, show Vikram. Like we, we only know, uh, we only really want to analyze the draft once we know where the teams are picking. Uh, though yep. it would be interesting if we did have that kind of a show where you think the lottery balls are going to land. Uh, what, what teams stand to benefit the most and stand to lose the most. Uh, that would be interesting to talk about, I, I, pres- I presume. But June 22nd is the, the date of the NBA draft lottery. So definitely do tune in. And we will give our NBA draft analysis uh, as the games get fewer and fewer uh, as, we, uh, as we get to the NBA finals because there won't be as much to analyze about the individual games. And we can talk about some draft prospects and talk about teams that can benefit from drafting those prospects. Right, Vikram? Yep. I think uh, our draft coverage will be a lot of fun. Uh, particularly because uh, for our team, the Warriors, the draft uh, looms very large indeed. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, we'll go through all of those scenarios. We'll see what we think, obviously, about the Warriors. They could have up to two lottery picks this year. So uh, it should be, should be fun. And uh, you know, for the other teams, like, you know, Houston, if, if they fall out of the lottery, their pick goes to OKC. A lot of things to talk about. Uh, very interesting. So um, with that, uh, I'm going to end, end this podcast. So for, for Vikram, uh, I'm Guru. We'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good night, everybody.